So I'm concerned yeah. about the Gruden marriage. Yeah. The Gruden marriage is all three All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Steve Bonham. Joining me, as always, the John Lennon to my Yoko Ono, Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how you doing today? <laughs> you ruined the Starshine Oko band, or the Plastic Ono band. Just ruined it. See, it's because <laughs> I love you, but I also want to destroy you. Yeah, so. that's fair. That is fair. That is how I got pig's blood dumped on me. And my hand got mysteriously broken the night before that tennis tournament school. I distinctly remember going to bed with my hand not broken. And then the next day, <laughs> explains a lot. You're remembering wrong. <laughs> so anyway, it's been a busy week, Neil. And uh, a lot of news, a lot of stuff to get through. And of course, we got the bake show. It is the bake show today with the AFC North. But before we get to all that... We got to go through the news. First and foremost, Theo Riddick, who we talked about last week, uh, being cut by the Lions, moving on, going to Denver immediately, gets a shoulder injury, is now out for six to eight weeks. You mentioned the fact that this wasn't a big deal in terms of your Philip Lindsay ranking or, or even the Royce Freeman stuff, but simply the fact that this basically meant Devonta Booker was out of a job. Does that change now with the Riddick injury? Yes, it does. Devontae Booker is now probably going to make this football team, and he will have his same old job of occasional third-down hurry-up running back that he's had for the last three to four years in Denver until Theo Riddick gets hurt, and then it might be he might hang on till the end of the year. They might uh, they might move him at some point during the season to make room for something else that they need more urgently. Yeah, it's disappointing because you know Riddick's a guy that we've always you know liked, wanted to see what he could do in this offense. For me personally, uh, look, Theo Riddick was a lot scarier to me than Devontae Booker, so I don't know. This may adjust my ranks, which I just changed yep, already. Going back in the spreadsheet. So I'm going to have to go right back to it here. Uh, so obviously I have to drop Theo Riddick if he's going to miss, you know, um, what would be, trying to do math in my head quickly, five weeks, basically three to five weeks of the regular season. Uh, and then that's also going to affect how you rank Freeman and how you rank Lindsay as well. So maybe those guys get a little bit of a boost, but we'll see how that shakes. I don't know. Freeman is flying up ADPs. If you haven't checked recently, his performance, his performance in that, that first preseason game, uh, a lot of people saw that apparently. So it really just backs up my rankings. So that's how I felt about it. I'm like, yeah, he's going to play. He's pretty good when he's not. Meanwhile, Uh, Kenyon Drake, out for quote unquote a while with a foot injury. He was spotted in a walking boot today. They're saying week one is kind of up in the air. There was already the big debate about will Kalen Balage be splitting carries with him? Is he going to supplant him as the number one guy there? Kenyon Drake, you know, love him or hate him. Miami hates him. So, I mean, I don't know. This kind of just cements the value for Balage later on in drafts. Do you, how much does this hurt Drake's value for, I mean, for me, it was already plummeting. I, I already had Drake in pretty much free fall at this point. I'm not, I'm not a believer in that particular, uh, that situation right there. So Balaj is just going to come screaming up the rankings. You want to talk about guys that are about to fly up in ADP after today. Uh, that's, yeah, that's going to be again, another one that was already, already going pretty yeah, high. He's going to be going really high. My thought was with this news, maybe we revisit the idea that, uh, 
was going on in the staff chat, which is the idea that maybe Miami goes back out there and starts exploring other options for some sort of running back. So we'll have to see how that shakes out in the next couple of weeks. Meanwhile, uh, Golden Tate did officially lose his appeal and will be suspended for the first four games of the season. I already adjusted my rankings accordingly. I believe you did the same. Yep, hit the drop. Meanwhile, Jermaine Curse unfortunately breaks his leg in the preseason debut for the Lions. So he is now out for the season. It kind of clears up that wide receiver room a little bit more. It's back to kind of just Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay now, right? I mean, or does this affect TJ Hawkinson more than anything else? I, I'm not going to go ahead and put more stock in a rookie tight end. We've been very clear about how you and I yeah, both are in agreement both on, on the same issue. page. With I'm that, not yeah. dealing with that. If it does anything, it maybe makes you feel a little bit better about uh, Galladay and Jones. But frankly, it wasn't even enough for me to like really move them up in any meaningful way in my rankings. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Curse was a super late round end of the draft. He was an o, he's an oh, by the way, I liked the name because we've seen him have success and he was ranked because if something was to happen to one of the other two guys, I think he could have meaningful time. But him not playing does not adjust the others. It's going to be the same thing. Yep. Fair enough. Meanwhile, And then finally, the biggest news of the week, obviously, surrounded Antonio Brown with his feet and his head. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, Neil. So Antonio Brown... First, we found out about the the cryotherapy, staying in for too long and getting frostbite in August on his feet. So then, in France, in France too, we found out. And then from that, as he was healing and starting to get cleared to come back from the injury, he decides to file the grievance with the NFL about his helmet that he's been wearing for the last 10 years that is now out of date and they will not clear to have him play in legally. So just finding all kinds of excuses to not put on that Raider uniform. I mean, any chance he can to just shoot down the idea of having to play for the Oakland Raiders, he is all about. So now he failed to get the grievance to go through that he was denied the grievance. So now he's going to have to wear the league mandated helmet and the feet are healing. So I guess eventually we'll see Antonio Brown back. Who knows? I think he'll be more or less. I think he's going to find some way to get out there. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about this. Frankly, my ranking already banked, baked in the idea of Antonio Brown's Antonio Brownness, where you always have some of this wonky stuff kind of happening in the background. So I'm not overly worried about it. Yes. It's an issue with the feet. Obviously the pictures on hard knocks are, uh, pretty gritty and uh yeah he's got pretty severe (laughs) frostbite to the the bottoms of his feet so but i gotta figure they're gonna wrap his feet with padding or something to try and make it at least possible for him to play so i think as long as they can figure out the helmet and figure out the feet i think he'll be what do you think steve you think he's gonna miss week one is that what you're trying to drive i think he'll be i think he'll be out there but the problem isn't the helmet and the problem isn't his feet the problem is his brain well, so, that's I mean, that's I mean, there's a lot of evidence starting to mount up on that. If you've also seen him yeah. doing his cameo reads for people uh, a couple of years ago, I think a lot of people were starting to wise up then. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just with Antonio Brown, it's it's always the head games. It's always him being a head case and, and not being able to to keep himself on the field and mentally checked in. So. That is part of the reason that we both ranked him as low as we did and aren't as high as 
consensus. It's part is. of the reason why I have the large negative confidence modifier. It's one of the reasons. We went through the other ones in the pre-draft show. Feel free right. to go back to those, but uh, but that's part of it. I mean, it's just it's not really that shocking to me, frankly, that any of this is happening. Is it to you? Like at any point, were you shocked by any of this? I thought it was funny. I'm not shocked by it though. I thought it was borderline comical. I feel bad for him because I'm sure that hurt. Like I'm sure that was incredibly painful. But I mean, it's he'll be fine. He'll be out there. I'm not too worried about it. I'm more worried about, frankly, him learning how to play in the Raiders' offense. Catching uh, what I'm worried hard. about is him finally getting back so that he can save Hard Knocks because <sighs> that's what needs to happen. So Boy. that's kind of just use that to, to no, play, play the drop. Play the drop. Enjoy the event because it's not a show. I can still see Holmgren down there going, no, yeah. Okay, so the, the rumor is true. We just traded you. The best place to be is when expectations are high, and it starts with training camp. All right, Neil, Hard Knocks, week two. Uh, you want to kick it off for me? I mean, I got my notes here, and they're pathetically low. So, well, no, I'll just all I'll say is off the top. Another, another. I felt just disappointing episode. It's not bringing the fire that the Browns had last year. It's not it's not uh not nearly as uh as gripping as that was. Right. I mean, look, there my highlights are all from the first 5 minutes of the show. So, I mean, first of all, Gr- Gruden and his bipolar really wants better yeah. execution. It's amazing. <laughs> it turns on a dime. <laughs> Literally mid-sentence. Hey, turns- how are you guys doing? Welcome back. <laughs> Greet everybody for week 2. I need execution. Hey guys, I got okay. the Whoa. It's unbelievable. This just all of a sudden 180 degree. <laughs> oh well, man. So yes, turning on a dime right there. That was intense. And then he followed that up by saying he really wants to meet Keelan Doss's girlfriends and that he's more excited to see Keelan Doss play than he is to see his own wife. So I'm concerned yeah. about the Gruden marriage yeah. as a whole. <laughs> the Gruden marriage is off the rails. <laughs> I just like how he punctuated it with, I really am. Yeah, I really like, am. Oh, yeah, I really am was the best part of that for me. Just, no, know, I'm not joking. Yeah, I don't want gotta, to see my wife at all. Cross, I haven't seen her in two weeks. You had to cross that T off. Like, <laughs> best two weeks of my life. Just really, like, he is, they're trying so hard to fill that hour. <laughs> he's, he's carrying so much of that hour for them. So much. Yeah, we need Antonio Brown to save us. Or Mike Mayock. Because clearly it's not going to be Richie Incognito. Yeah, right? What a disappointment that is. Uh, it's just been, I, I was really hoping for crazy unhinged Richie Incognito, vintage Incognito, and we're not getting it. We're getting, we're getting this, like, veteran, calm down, like sane person, which is probably better for the Raiders, but it's not better for my enjoyment of the television show, Steve. <laughs> it's not better for that. Yeah, and that's all I care about. <laughs> yeah, it's probably better for the Raiders that he's actually like it seems like he's kind of contributing. <laughs> but I did I did laugh out loud when he uh when he was like, Let me tell you what I learned in counseling. Because that's but again, it's not what I was hoping for. <laughs> I just want him going nuts and it's not it's not happening. It's not happening. Starting to lose faith that it's going to happen. Yeah, it's been a it's been a terrible season so far. Well, I don't even know that Antonio Brown can save us. I can tell you that uh, that I'm getting a little tired of two uh, four. 
been two episodes of that and i'm i'm over that i'm over that already that's that stopped being fun pretty quickly so that's that's uh that just seems like it would be exhausting to be around all day frankly right that just seems exhausting i'm tiring i'm tired of it after two hours of it so (laughs) edited right Uh, uh, (laughs) oh Big yeah. letdown to this. Not, not a whole from that episode that you took away. I mean, was... I mean, there aren't very many takeaways. Is the problem? There's just commentary, which is why we fly through this segment so much faster. Whereas like last time, I felt like we might have learned something about a little bit about the Browns and the dysfunction, and like this is the coaching staff, and we're not. And it's like we're not getting as much of that. We're just getting the Gruden show. You know what I mean? Who besides we saw Mayock yeah. for a few minutes, but like that's really it. Whereas before we had Dorsey on a golf cart with his socks pulled up with way too much gum in his mouth, just talking. Yeah, and you had Greg Williams and Todd Haley. Yeah, and they spent more time talking that. about Sean McVay in this episode than they did about any member of the, the Raiders staff that wasn't John Gruden. They've had, uh, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but they've had their like defensive line coach on a few times because they're kind of yeah, or focusing on that area of the team a little bit, but that's it. That's literally it. And he's only there for soundbite. He's not, they don't do any, they haven't done any of the meetings yet. They haven't done anything like that. It's just been focused. Half of it's on Antonio Brown and it's not, it's not carrying it. So the other half, I feel like they just go to Gruden and it's just John Gruden doing Gruden things, which is fine, but you know, it's not, it's not carrying it, Steve. It's not, no, it's not, not doing, doing it for me. Well, speaking of doing it for me, AFC North. Woo! Oh, this is going to take extra time. That's what, I'm glad we're getting yeah, to this, this early because this, this is going to take. Build this in. Right? This is going to yeah. take extra time. This is the the big show. So first, we start off with the Baltimore Ravens. Greg Roman, the new offensive coordinator. Joe Flacco, of course, traded to the Broncos in the offseason, as we talked about earlier. They cut Michael Crabtree and running back Alex Collins, one of the bigger fantasy busts from a year ago. They signed Mark Ingram in free agency. So starting at QB, we mentioned Flacco going. It is wheels, Lamar Jackson. He is consensus right now going 111 overall. Consensus ADP is 129. I've got him at 102 QB 14. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm looking at this in the pre-show, and I thought I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I, I hate Lamar Jackson." Clearly, like, there's no way the hype train. I've got him at 104, <laughs> so QB 11. So it's it's one of those it's one of those situations. And I will say, from what I saw in the pre, looks like he's made some strides with the accuracy. Still not there. Still got a ways to go before it's like true NFL quarterback level. But that was my big takeaway was. He's cleaned it up a little bit, and he's still got that speed, so the rushing floor. Yeah, rushing floor is always there. The passing game is is what is the big question mark for him, for sure. Running backs, we mentioned Mark Ingram coming over in free agency. They, of course, have uh, Gus Edwards still carried over from last season. You've got Justice Hill, Kenneth Dixon. Ingram is going currently RB23, ranked RB22, is uh is there anybody that you want other than Ingram? I've got him at twenty four myself. I have Ingram at twenty three, so no, I think he's really the guy that you want. Uh, I mean, frankly, he's, they don't really the other two options don't really do anything for me. I mean, I guess I have Gus Edwards a little bit higher than his ADP because I think he's going to play. I've got him at sixty four, 
I mean, Hill is probably the one that you want, but I think the 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 bloom is off the rose on that one, given where he's actually being drafted. You know what I mean? There, people are paying, you know, RB fifty seven, RB sixty for him, and that's kind of already higher than what I want to pay for a the third guy on the team kind of flyer territory. Right. And then I'm not I'm not really into Kenneth Dixon at, at this point. I mean, he's going to have to prove it, you know, that he can stay healthy just to even make that team. So is oh, there yeah, anybody no, that I'm you want? I mean, no. I'm, I'm not really interested on in anybody, frankly, other than Mark Ingram. That's kind of the my ride or die from that running back room. Yep, that's that is it. Moving on wide receivers. We mentioned Crabtree go bye bye. So you've still got Willie Sneed there. But, you know, Marquise Brown is kind of the, the sexiest pick of the group, I guess with Miles Boykin, Chris Moore, Seth Roberts. For my own personal rankings, I have Marquise Brown at 58. I'm higher than a lot of people with Willie Sneed at 60. Is is there anybody that you like from that receiving core? I have Brown at 53, so I like I say, I like him a little bit more crowd. Uh, Sneed is a really interesting one. I have him at 66, <clears throat> and uh, I think that's actually probably... Where did you say you had Sneed? Uh, 60. Yeah, so I'm I'm slightly behind you, but we're both miles ahead of everybody else. I think there's a reason they kept him out of all the retreads they've been trying. You know what I mean? I think there's I think he he showed a little bit of a chemistry with Jackson, and he showed it again in the first preseason game, by the way, when he was out there. So now I think Snead will be a nice little uh kind of back end receiver for you. And then really, to be honest with you, there's nothing else that really floats my boat. Yeah, I'm agreed. Uh, One of the darlings in the industry in the preseason has been Mark Edwards, the tight end from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, He's getting a lot of back-end tight end one hype. He is ranked 16th amongst consensus rankers. Uh, He's going 17, a guy that's kind of a flyer if you're looking for that uh, punt tight end strategy. I also have him at 17. Uh, he's got the size, he's got the hands, but you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm fine if you want to take a shot on him. He's one of those guys where, it, you know, if you like, I said punted the position after like what six at tight end, it's all a crapshoot. It's after Delaney Walker or what's left of Jordan Reed, I guess. It's it gets into it gets into that territory off a cliff pretty quickly after that. Yeah. Uh, I have Andrews at 19, so I only I'm not quite as high but i also wouldn't say i like hate him so he's but he's for sure in that hodgepodge like you're saying of missed on tight end want to wait on tight end definitely worth a dice roll and then uh the ravens defense i've got them third they're currently going six and ranked five where are you on the ravens d this year uh the ravens d for me is kind of an interesting one because they're so well coached and they displayed that again. So I actually have the Ravens D as my fifth defense. That first preseason game, they looked really good. I think they have a chance to be a really special defense again. Before we completely pivot off the Ravens, did you have any thoughts on either Hayden Hurst or Nick Boyle? I've seen some people are interested in Hurst. I know that's kind of was more, that's a little bit uh, of a deeper cut, but I have seen some mm-hmm. people on that. Any any interest in any of that? I, I mean, really I've got him in the much, high 30s, so me too. Okay, not really. Yeah. Not really. Okay, awesome. So Andrews is more or less the one you want if you've kind of missed on the Correct. If you're going to take a swing at way. any of those tight yeah, ends, he's, he's definitely the one that, that that's what I'm going to end up doing. So Okay, yep. I'm right there with you. All right, on to the Bengals. Cincinnati's, 
Yeah, on to Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's new head coach, Zach Taylor, the former Rams QB coach. Anyone that hangs out with McVay, automatically head coach material. Brian Callahan, the new offensive coordinator. He was the Raiders QB coach. And then Lou Anarumo, the new DC, was the DB coach for the Giants. Only real offseason move they did was re-sign CJ Uzuma to a three-year deal. You got the uh, Red Rifle, Andy <sighs> Dalton. Oh, boy. He's coming in consensus rank, a QB 26, ADP 29. The hate is real on Andy Dalton, and for good reason. He's, he's, he's bad at football. So yes, uh, QB hey, 25. Wait. It was one of the things I talked about with you in the offseason that I was kind of surprised about, the fact that if you look at the numbers, the Bengals can actually cut Andy Dalton full free. They owe yes. him nothing. And instead they're paying him $18 million this year to be as bad as he is, which tells me they're probably in tank mode. Yes. Well, the Bengals also are not really about winning football games as much as they are about making money. So that's, that's part of the issue there too. But no, I have Dalton the QB 27. Stay away. You, you as deep as QB is, th- is this year, there's no reason to roster Andy Dalton. Uh, next, you've got the running back room. Joe Mixon, the headliner, Gio Bernard still hanging around. And then uh, Travion Williams has the old Mark Walton position of being the third guy. Consensus rank 15 overall, RB8. He's going to RB9. We've talked about Joe Mixon. I have him RB9, 21 overall. Dropped a little bit in my ranks when I redid them, but still pretty high on Joe Mixon. This. No, yeah, I have him as... Uh... Uh, RB nine and 20 overall. So no, uh, all in on Joe Mixon. I'm a little bit lower, I guess, than the crowd, but the crowd is also reacting to the Ezekiel Elliott and, uh, Melvin Gordon news, which is also something to give, give thought to Joe Mixon may not necessarily be as talented as those two players, but he is not threatening to hold out and not play all year. <laughs> so I think that's the thought process Fair there. Point. I think that's the thoughts. Uh, anything, so then that leaves Gio. Yeah, I, I mean, Gio. what's your take on Giovanni Bernard? I think he's because, still in that handcuff territory because it's basically you can have him for free. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, okay, not cool, only can you have him for free, but what a lot of people seem to forget about Giovanni Bernard is last season he was really not usable in the weeks that Joe Mixon played. But yep. when Joe Mixon was out with injury, Giovanni Bernard was a top 20 running back. In the four weeks that Joe Mixon didn't play last year, Giovanni Bernard finished as top 20 or better every single week. So, I mean, you talk about handcuffs. That is certainly one of them right there in, uh, in Giovanni Bernard. If you're a mix and owner, certainly a guy to have. And if you're running back desperate in your league, that's you can yeah, take that's worse flyers. That's guy. I was going to say that's, that's if you're, if you're going, you know, zero RB or you just end up getting into a position where you get depleted. Uh, there's, that's absolutely not a bad flyer. Cause who knows he might be playing. And as Steve went to just went to point out, when he plays, he's usually effective. He's better at running between the tackles than he gets credit for, I feel. Yeah, not just the uh, the scat back that he gets labeled as. I think that's that's not a that's not a fair comp for what it is that he actually brings. Yeah, he's to, a uh, more complete football player than that. He's not right. just a, an outside only guy. Correct. Um, Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, John Ross, Alex Erickson, Cody Core. That's your. Uh, that's your receiving group. AJ Green, of course, the guy, but 
I like how you got out of saving receiving core. You saved it. I, I like it. <laughs> Almost had to say core yeah. twice. Uh, but he, uh, of course, got the ankle injury. Still dealing. Remember, he had the foot injury that ended his year. And now a new ankle injury. So he will be out for six to eight weeks total. Now, this was at the beginning of August when he got that diagnosis. That means he'll miss the first two to four weeks of the regular season. As a result, he has dropped to wide receiver 30 in the rankings. Tyler Boyd has leapfrogged him up to wide receiver 22. In my own rankings, I have them right next to each other. Boyd 24, Green 25. The public is high on both of them. Green at 19, Boyd at 24. Where did you land on the Cincinnati wide receivers? So I've had to uh, to obviously knock A.J. Green down, and uh, I've also dropped Tyler Boyd a bit. So in the forthcoming rankings update that's going up on Saturday, uh, right now I had A.J. Green as wide receiver 13, and now given this, I'm going to end up having him right in uh, like the wide receiver 25 neighborhood because I'm basically banking on the fact that I don't think he's playing those first four games. And in that, in the course of doing that, I had Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 25. And as we saw last year, he struggles and they don't have an easy schedule per se. He struggles when agent, when he has to be the one, he's really good at being the two. He's one of the best twos you can have in Tyler Boyd, but as a one, his numbers dipped and it really hurts that offense. When AJ green's not out there, it hurts every phase of it. Cause defenses can kind of cue in on Mixon and Boyd and it's, it's much tougher for them when they don't have AJ Green. So I've actually had to drop Tyler Boyd uh, about five spots, and he will be coming in as my new roughly wide receiver 30. So for me, I've had to kind of knock them both down a bit. That's kind of that's 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 the unfortunate message that I have for all the people hoping to play Cincinnati. Yeah, I just feel like because they're gonna be down, they're gonna have to throw it somewhere, and they're gonna throw it a bunch. And we we had this discussion last year with the AJ Green injury. Like Tyler Boyd being covered by the ones is something entirely different than Tyler Boyd being covered by the twos. But at the same time, he's gonna get the volume and the target share. That I mean, it, at the very worst, it should balance out to where he was before. No question. But not all targets are created equal. Like yeah. they they don't have to respect him the way that they have to an AJ Green. He doesn't. He's not that player. So for me, I watched his value go down, and I wasn't particularly surprised by it when he struggled when AJ Green wasn't on the field to help him out, and he had to do everything because as we've listed off, there's no one else there to really help pick up the the slack. John Ross can't get on the field, and the other two guys like, do you even? I've never even necessarily heard of those two other guys necessarily before like this year's prep. They're not no. guys I'm even familiar with. So unless one of them takes a step, we're going to go right back to the same conversation we were having last year about this topic. And so like, so run it back for me. Where, where, where did you land on, on ranking them? Just 24 for Boyd, 25 for green. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to be a little bit lower on, uh, on both of them this year. It frankly, it's, it's getting to, to me the way I'm going to end up having this ranked. I have a feeling he may not go all the way to 30, but he's probably going to end up in like that 26, 28 range. So for my, if you're going by my rankings, the only Bengal that you will likely own would probably be Joe Mixon. Yep. So that's just kind of the way I read it. Tyler Eifert, CJ Uzuma, the whole tight end crew they got over there. Uh, Eifert, the highest rated. I've got him 22. Consensus is 25. So 
not not, not something I'm super interested in. No, it's it's a whatever kind of flyer because we've seen him have success in the past, but we've also seen him be injured quite a bit. Um, I have him as tight end twenty two just because I've seen him have success in the past. But frankly, what I would, he'll probably come down a little bit. But what I was what I'm more interested in is CJ Uzama because we always seem to write about him every year in the waiver column. He's like we've written that column how many times? The CJ Uzama pick him up waiver column yeah. mm-hmm. man we've wrote we've i've ugh, that's it's unbelievable so that's the guy that i i like i keep an eye on for later in the season but uh who to thunk it i didn't think you were going to end up being higher than me on uh, both tyler boyd and aj green it's interesting it's very interesting and then of course cincinnati's defense is terrible yep avoid at all costs Neil, did you know that in 2018, the average fantasy football player invested $131 into their fantasy league? I did not. In fact, fantasy sports and the sports betting industry have officially generated more money than the sports leagues that drive them. Not only that, but last year, the average player spent 6.9 hours per week working on their fantasy roster. So with all this time and money being consumed, it's time to start protecting your investments. A serious injury to a player on your team can not only mean bragging rights are gone, but your wallet can take a heavy hit as well. So with Insurance, you can protect your fantasy football investments by purchasing a small one-time insurance coverage plan for one or multiple players on your team. If a key player on your fantasy team gets injured, like we're talking about with AJ Green, Insurance will pay you your entry fee back. Injuries might ruin your player's season, but they don't have to ruin yours. Now exclusive to our listeners, you can get covered by Rotoshurance for 20% off. All you have to do is go to rotoshurance.com and when you purchase a plan, enter promo code NONSENSE. That's nonsense, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, nonsense, to get 20% off your player coverage. Injuries can happen at any time, so don't delay. Head to rotoshurance.com and get covered today. All right, Neil, it's that time. Try to contain yourself. Try to... Nice job, you kicker! Nice job! Stay calm. It's time for the Browns. Freddie Kitchens becomes the new head coach. He was the Browns offensive coordinator for the second half of the season after they fired Todd Haley, who really was encouraged by the kicking. Todd Munkin, former Bucks OC, is now the offensive coordinator there. Steve Wilkes, the former Cardinals head coach, has come over as the defensive coordinator. So with Haley as the offensive coordinator in weeks one through eight, Jarvis Landry saw 11.8 targets per game, and he saw double-digit looks in seven of those eight contests. When Freddie Kitchens took over, Landry averaged just 6.8 targets a game and saw double-digit looks in none of those games. So a key to keep in mind as we transition into the Freddie Kitchens era, uh, Freddie Kitchens also commanded the third-best offense in terms of yards gained per drive, and the Bucks were sixth-best for the entire season with uh, Todd Munkin, the new OC, at the helm over there. They signed Kareem Hunt who was suspended the first eight games of the season, and then they got some wide receiver named Odell Beckham. So we started off with the bake show, Baker Mayfield. Oh, the truth. Oh, the truth. So again, Baker Mayfield, the guy who we preached about every single week last season, 
Uh, we preached about him in the preseason, and nobody. No listened. one cared. No one cared. And the crazy thing about it is, after all that hype that and all that love that we gave him last year, I'm actually lower on Baker than pretty much everyone. So again, it's got nothing to do with my my take on Mayfield. Just the position as a whole. He's currently going QB five, ranked QB five. I've got him at QB nine. That's why I also have him at QB9. And I love Baker Mayfield. I just don't see how he's going to crack that top five, even with the weapons that they present him. It just doesn't feel like that's going to be the offense. I think, I think people think it's going to look like the Chiefs out there, and I don't, I don't. I think they're going to be upset. It's just going to, it's going to be more balanced. And, and the problem with Mayfield is that he's still young. He's still learning. He's going to be erratic out there at times. So, look, you're going to get the good with the bad, and there's just eight quarterbacks that I feel more comfortable with before I want to take Baker Mayfield. And for the price he's going especially, uh, I just don't think I'm going to own him. Yeah, I think the hype train's gone a little off the track. I think people are uh, are overpaying just a little bit. It also flies in the face of my general strategy anyway, which is usually to wait on quarterback because it's so deep that there's value everywhere. So then Nick Chubb, after they traded Carlos Hyde, Halfway through last season, who could have foreseen that coming? Uh, Nick Chubb took over and just dominated fantasy for the second half of the season. They then brought in Kareem Hunt. Uh, A note that I didn't have on here is they just recently traded Duke Johnson to the Houston Texans. So no more Duke, no Kareem Hunt for the first eight games of the season. It's Nick Chubb and Dontrell Hilliard. Now, Hilliard is supposed to get that role that Duke Johnson is leaving behind, but will it only be for eight weeks? Will Kareem Hunt then come into that role? What's the deal there? And then the the role that Duke Johnson had last season wasn't much of anything anyway, so do you care about that? The the thing comes down to is, for at least the first half of the season, Nick Chubb is going to be a workhorse. Oh, yeah. And right now, he is consensus RB10, both in ADP and rank. And I love me some Nick Chubb. I absolutely do. What I do not love is the uncertainty overall. Like I said, the too many mouths to feed. It's another scenario where there's so many good things happening on this offense. And there's so many good running backs that I enjoy and and I think are going to have good seasons this year. That for the price I'm going to have to pay to get Nick Chubb. I don't think it's going to be worth the return on my investment. I'd rather have a guy like a carry on Johnson, who we talked about before in that range than I would Nick Chubb, who actually I'm, I'm a little bit down on and I have rated 17th. That's interesting. I'm not as down as you because I have him at 15, but I think some of this is the overall Browns hype that I've been ingesting with everyone else where I've seen them flying up ADPs-wise just because the Browns are kind of trending, frankly, at this point. And I haven't been 15 because I love me some Nick Chubb. It's just that, well, we did talk about it. It is people like Kerryon Johnson that that present to me more upside. I mean, if you want to go further up, I guess, where you'd also be looking at is a Dalvin Cook. You're talking about Dalvin Cook versus Nick Chubb at that that price tag. And to me, it's Mm -hmm. I think I even with the injury history, I think I'd rather go Cook there. So it's uh, it, there's a lot of uncertainty to your point. There's a lot of mouths to feed because we haven't even gotten to the wide receiver room, nor have we gotten to the tight end position. And all of these things we're projecting for targets. And to me, I just find it hard to believe that the other issue is Kareem Hunt that that presents, yeah. which we haven't even really gotten into. So I think we should go there now. That's the other reason that I have him ranked at 15, not 10. 
I think people are forgetting that a little bit that Kareem Hunt is going to come back. And when he does come back, I don't know what that's going to look like. Is it a true timeshare? Does Kareem Hunt just dominate? Like, because he has fresh legs? I don't know. I've seen Kareem Hunt be really effective with the football in his hand, is what I can tell you. And and I think and I think that's going to be a thing. I'm not worried about Dontrell Hilliard. That's really just a name to know for the first like eight weeks of the season. Don't need to worry about it beyond that. It's not even something I would worry about drafting if I had Chubb, I don't think. I'd rather consider the Chump Kareem Hunt uh combo. But I mean, we gave the ADPs. You're talking about, you know, RB thirty seven for what's crazy is it's fifty four is the rank for Hunt, but thirty seven. RB 37. He's currently going 99 over like top 100 draft, like in a, in a 10 team league, you're yeah. talking about him going in the first 10 rounds. That's it's excessive. It's excessive. Cause he's not going to play. He's just going to be sitting on the end of your bench. Like it just, it doesn't make For any eight sense. Weeks, like you he's can't going to be sitting there in a so standard league without reason, IR slots. You can't even justify it. Like it doesn't like you'll be, you'll well, run even out with of IR slots. He's suspended. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. He's not hurt. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a long time rostering Kareem Hunt right now makes no sense to me. I think he's a guy that people are going to draft now and by week five when they need to open roster space. Yeah, he'll for be buys, you can pick him up off the waiver wire. You can grab him later if you or want you can, him. Or if somebody has managed to hold on to it for six weeks, you could probably approach that person for a trade when their bye weeks hit them. And again, like with Nick Chubb, He's a guy I really like, but as you said, do I? We don't know. Like after week eight, perhaps Chubb all of a sudden is in a timeshare. Yeah, and we don't know how much he's going to actually see the field. So he's a talented guy who absolutely is going to have free reign at this. And with no Duke Johnson there, I feel like he's going to have a true three-down workload for eight weeks. Yeah, but But I'm not going to pay. What you're paying right now is a second round pick. Yeah, and that's I can't afford a second round pick for a guy that maybe for half a season. The only way I could justify it is trying to pull off like an amazing sell high, where I'm I'm that good at roster management that that I can I can time it to where I can hold him for six or seven weeks and then do this trade. And I just I I I don't know. There's going to be a lot of news about Kareem Hunt coming back, given how he went out. You know what I mean? It's not going to be an under the radar type of thing, I don't think, unless the Browns are like zero and eight somehow. <laughs> the time we get there, and I don't think that's going to happen. So that's that's what I would caution people on. I'm seeing people paying way too high of a price tag for Kareem Hunt, way too high of a price tag for Nick Chubb. Like, yeah, Nick Chubb right now is a mid second rounder. Uh, and again, when I say like RB ten, RB seventeen, in perspective, I have him at over, which is about mid fourth round. So I, in my own personal opinion, I feel like people are paying two rounds too high for Nick Chubb. If I can get Nick Chubb as my third or fourth player, I'm good with that. If I can get two guys to, to build my team around and Nick Chubb is like a cherry on top in the third or fourth round, great. But that's never yep. going to happen. Not anymore. No, it seems like the ship is sailing on that pretty aggressively. So then that brings us to the wide receivers. We talked about Odell Beckham in the show with the we won't go back through him again. Jarvis Landry, the note I mentioned earlier, you've got Antonio Callaway, who's not only dealing with an injury, but now a four-game suspension. And then you've got Rashard Higgins, who just had the preseason touchdown on the first drive for the Browns uh, this past week. So Landry is the next guy up. 
that you would kind of make note of. He is wide receiver 27 in consensus, going ADP 27. I've got him 28. I feel like he's actually properly ranked and being drafted at this point based on what he's going to do. There are a lot of mouths to feed, like I said. So that's why I'm kind of down a little bit compared to everybody else on most of the Browns. But still, I mean, they're going to put up numbers and going to be there. Landry, what carried him through Miami was being a PPR monster. And as you know, I just mentioned in that that note previously, he averaged just seven targets a game compared to 12 targets a game uh, in the first half of the season. So in the Freddie Kitchens offense, he just was not as involved. And now you're going to have Odell Beckham there, too. Yes. <laughs> and I will say I anyone who's listened to the show for a long time, especially knows I love Jarvis Landry. I always have Jarvis Landry high. And this year I have Jarvis Landry wide receiver 24. So I'm slightly higher than everybody, but that's mostly my own thing. I think we all know what he's going to do. My reason for having him three spots higher than, you know, just about everybody else would be again, to my point earlier on a different topic, not all targets are created equal. So yes, he may not be getting double digit targets. However, they're not going to be able to put their best quality people on Jarvis Landry anymore. Those double teams that he was seeing are going to drop off. They're going to have to spread out a little bit against this Cleveland team. And with Callaway going going uh, on a four-game suspension and also dealing with an injury, uh, Higgins is a nice player at this point, but um, he's, he's going to be the other guy on the outside, leaving Njoku and Landry over the middle. And I think Landry is going to have a much easier time doing his job <laughs> this year than what he had to go through last year. And he's still an amazing athlete. So I think that he's one of the guys I'm actually a little bit excited for. Uh, in the Browns offense rather than being on the more pessimistic side. I'm a little bit more pessimistic with the Rashad Higgins and the Antonio Callaway. Yeah, uh, Higgins and Callaway, I'm down on both of them compared to uh, ADP and rank. And then honestly, uh, my rankings are updated for the Callaway suspension, which is why I have him at 102. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do not think that the the consensus has updated that yet. So uh, he's currently 83, but I don't think that's going to... Though that'll drop, that way when that'll he's out for four off. games. Higgins, Higgins will probably end up sliding up to the Antonio Callaway spot where people mm-hmm. are. That's probably how that'll go. And then Callaway will be a name to keep an eye on for five, six weeks into the season on the waiver wire because he'll be he'll be coming back. So that's really, I think, how that's going to shake out. Higgins is not really something I want to invest in, and I know you agree with me uh, on that yeah. given where we have him ranked. I think the only area where we differ even a little bit is I'm three spots higher than you on Jarvis Landry. So that's not really yeah. a big difference. And then David Njoku, of course, the uh, the tight end, he's had drop issues, but yes. he is a huge guy with a lot of talent. He is going tight end nine. He is ranked tight end 10. I've got him ranked tight end 11. So I'm slightly down on Njoku. I have him at 13. I'm also slightly down. However, given how the tight end... Uh... Mix-ups have been happening a little bit. He may come up a little bit in my Saturday rankings update. And that's another thing, too, with uh, Njoku, like we've talked about. He's really in that range of people are going to reach for him. Because mm-hmm, the name. And yeah, people will reach for him for the name. Like you mentioned, the Browns hype. And then he's in that range of guys where I, if I'm going tight end, if I go tight end early, it's Ertz, Kittle, uh, Kelsey. As we Yeah, the big three. About. The big three. Yeah, After that, you know, I really like uh, Jared Cook and I like Hunter Henry. Yep. And then really Delaney Walker, you can mix in there as well. Yeah, I'm sure, not as big going. on Evan Ingram as everyone. I'm not as big on OJ Howard, OJ Howard as everyone. 
that that whole next tier of guys is kind of the group of people are going to reach for them, let them. I'd rather stock up on running backs and wide receivers, and that's probably the range I'm going to be taking my quarterback just while everybody else is tight end hungry. And then when we get to the back end, as we've talked about with like the Jason Wittens, the we'll talk about Jack Doyle Jack here Doyle, coming up. Yeah, Jack Doyle. Those type of guys who you can get at a discount uh, at the end of drafts. That's that's who I'm targeting rather than these guys in the seven through fourteen range. Yeah, and if I have to get two, I'm not necessarily averse to that idea either per se. If it was like I have to get two lottery ticket tight ends, okay, because at that point I'll be loaded at a couple other positions. <laughs> so. So that's uh that's not the worst strategy. I've seen some people trying to pull that off. I'm not. I'm also, as you know, Steve, not necessarily like our style is not necessarily to uh, go tight end early either. And then you've got the Browns, who are rated defense eight by consensus, going tight or defense eight in ADP. I've got them at ten. I mean, they've got strong personnel. Uh, I like what Steve Wilkes has done as the defensive coordinator for the Panthers in the past. Uh, did not work out for him, obviously, as the Cardinals head coach, but uh, the D coordinator position he had with the Panthers, they were really good when he was there. That Brown's defense in the second half of the season made a real leap with Greg Williams, which is why I was surprised he didn't end up getting the head coaching job. Yeah, uh, so that's that seems like an interpersonal thing, I'm guessing, between management and him. Uh, right in the connection between Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. Too. That's that's so. true. That developed, yeah. But the uh, the I have Cleveland at ten, and I mean I I feel pretty good about that. I'd be okay if you ended up like waiting on defense and you had one of the later picks in the draft, and you ended up with Cleveland just kind of falling to you. I think you're fine. I wouldn't worry about that at that point. I wouldn't necessarily be rushing to the waiver wire to like cut them off my team either. And I will reference last year, and I will also reference again recency bias. You know, a little bit possible warning on this, but they stole the soul of the R's. <laughs> that, they were everywhere in that game. They completely shattered Dwayne Haskins' ability to play football in that game. It was really impressive, really thorough, looked well-coached at every level, and it was kind of fun to watch them because they actually played some starters. So I will say, limited sample, but they're looking looking—they're looking like they're going to come out of the gate hot. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about uh, last week as well, where uh, any defense in the last decade that has finished number one in fantasy has an average draft position of seven or lower. So reaching for a high defense, never a great strategy. And the Browns, a team, especially the division they play in, with everybody seeming to take a step backwards, and the schedule that they have to play with this season, it feels like the Browns have a, a decent chance to be a, a, a late ADP defense that could really step up and be a top-five finisher. Yeah, if you actually dissect the Brown schedule, they have to play a lot of teams that we'll just say that are offensively challenged. And that gets us to the Steelers, who in the offseason, of course, traded Antonio Brown, who mentioned several because of hard knocks. Uh, Jesse James goes to the Lions. That means that Vance McDonald is finally free. Free Vance over McDonald. From San Francisco so many years ago, he will finally be the primary tight end target there. They signed Dante Moncrief, who is the leader in the clubhouse, to be the number two. They drafted rookie Benny Snell at running back, who they really like. And James Conner has publicly said he expects the backfield to get even touches between Benny Snell, James <laughs> Conner, and Jalen Samuels, Ooh, which is always a good sign. Love that confidence. Gotta love that confidence. So quarterback, 
the old standstill Ben Roethlisberger. Rated quarterback 14, consensus 13. I've got him at 18. I am not a Roethlisberger guy. Never have been, never will. I have him at 16. I'm slightly higher than you. I'm lower than the crowd. I'm also not a fan. I'm not a fan of all the weapons he lost. I'm not a fan of necessarily him, the person. <laughs> and uh, as nice as I can really be about that. Uh, the the uh, uh, it's the it's the exodus, frankly, of everything that we're used to, except for Smith Schuster, really. That right. holds it. Bell. It, and Bell also, and at this point, I will say it's even more like watching a skyscraper try and play football <laughs> as he as he continues to play. Yeah, just the lack of mobility. Yeah, he can't move more. So running back, I did kind of mention James Conner. Then you have Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell. James Conner, of course, one of the bigger steals of last season with Bell holdout. Connor, rated RB7, going RB7, consensus 11 overall. Okay. I have James Connor at 30 overall, RB12. Still a running back one, but I am way down on him compared to consensus and the public just because, look, Jalen Samuels has looked good all camp, and he looked all right in the preseason game. And they keep saying how they want to get him more involved and they don't want to put the full workload on James Conner. And that scares me off. Yeah, he's actually a guy. I have him at RB10 right now, but I was actually going to knock him down a bit because I'd also seen that news report coming out of him basically saying, yeah, we're going to spread it around a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's causing me to actually go in reverse of what the public's doing here because I'm a little shocked by this. RB7 is is a lot. And I actually have him ADP down, mind you, but I still had him before he came down at 22. So I'm 11 actual spots lower than what people, man, people love James Conner and I am, I'm struggling to see the upside. I mean, is it just because Bell's gone? So I mean, they figure first round pick. Uh, it's a big, big ask for James Conner on that one. I, boy, it's like, it's like, boy, Jalen Samuels played a lot last year. You know what I mean? Like, why do you, you hate Jalen Samuels? I don't think the Steelers hate Jalen Samuels like that. And I've also read the reports that you referenced earlier about, we love Benny Snell. Benny Snell, we're going to get him involved. We're going to have him play. And Samuels okay. uh, currently rated 49, going 43. I've got him at 44. I feel like that's a decent range for him, but he will get work. He, he will have a role in this offense, and it'll cut into Connor. Like I said, I don't absolutely hate James Connor. I've got him as an RB1. I just hate where he's currently being drafted. Me either. I don't hate James Connor. I thought I was actually going to be right in the wheelhouse of where it would be appropriate to take him. And I'm a little surprised to learn that I'm low and I'm going in reverse and people are going forward. That's the surprising thing to me is that it's rising. Like he's going up draft boards and that's gotta be, I get why, because all the running backs that aren't Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott are going up draft board. So I understand, but I didn't think people saw him into that tier. Like it's a plug and play replacement. I, Ooh boy, that scares me. Not, uh, not a fan of that idea. And I had and Samuels. True. When I, I was, when I do talk about my ranks, I have not moved Melvin or Zeke out of the top six. Yeah, so. neither have I, and I don't think either one of us will until possibly after the week three games when it's we have to make a decision. And uh, I have Jan Samuels at fifty three. I was gonna I'm gonna move him up uh, a bit, uh, but you know forty nine is kind of about right. I just think you're overpaying for James Conner because I think I think Snell's gonna get in there. Frankly, at some point, who knows with this team too. We should probably pivot into wide receiver because we have a lot of ground to cover there. Yeah, we talked about our love of uh, Juju in the first show of the season. So you can go back and listen 
that if you'd like. The question is, what happens behind him? Uh, last year's top wide receiver pick for them was James Washington, but he didn't really do much last year. And yeah, they, he, he, come, he came in this season looking that he was going to finally get that number two role with Brown gone, and they spent all that money signing Moncrief, who seems to be beating him now for that wide receiver two job. They also have Deontay Johnson. They brought in Ryan Switzer. There's Eli Rogers is still sticking around. But for me personally, Moncrief is the guy that I want. I'm higher than everybody on Dante Moncrief. I love Moncrief this season. As much as I'm down on the Steelers as a whole, they're going to be passing a lot because with that defense, I feel like they are going to be playing from behind a lot. And I have the... uh, I've got Moncrief actually way high at 37 compared to everybody else. He's going 49 consensus, ADP 50. And with the role he's going to have, the volume he's going to have, look, Juju's going to get work, yes. But they had enough volume in that passing offense last year to sustain Antonio Brown and Juju as top 10 guys. And I'm not saying Moncrief is going to be there, but how much workload can Juju go up? I yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah, he's one man. He's physically is one person like it's, right. it's, uh, it's, it's, there is a, there is an upper bounded limit to this. So he's going to have that high workload that we talked about, but that the other targets have to go somewhere. Moncrief for that. Yeah. Moncrief is the one that I want, uh, as well. I have him at 41, so I don't love him as much as you do, but as you also know, I am not a Dante Moncrief believer. So the idea that I have him at 41 and people value him at 49, I feel like I'm, kind of low on him because I always grade him down because I'm not a fan of his skill set and I'm not a fan of uh, of his inability to frankly play 16 games in a season consistently. It's been an issue. And uh, I love the opportunity though. Like to your point, is his opportunity has gone from playing in very poor situations, frankly, uh, to now this is like a real shot for him to actually like do something with a real opportunity, with a real team and a real quarterback. So no, I... That's the one you want. And what I was going to say at the top of this is James, James Washington did do one thing last year, Steve. He got into public beef uh, for running a wrong route <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with his quarterback. So he did do that. Um, I am not a fan. I have him at 71. And to me, I, I get Ooh. the opportunity. I get the role. He's going to have to do something to prove to me that he's like worth worth it at this point clearly wow. so i i am not a, i am not in on the james washington train at all uh to me he's one of the guys that i'll be avoiding and i would say that goes for basically everybody else on down the line i think the ones that you really want are juju and dante and then everybody else is kind of a wait and see in case there's an injury or something happens but i might feel better about james washington if i had any confidence that he wasn't going to do something boneheaded or has made any real significant strides to actually he can't outplay Dante Moncrief. To me, that speaks volume. I kind of split the difference uh, with consensus and ADP. Consensus rank is 58 and ADP is 47, but I've got him at 49. And it's 147 overall for consensus rank, 117 for ADP. I've got him going 131. So I'm kind of right in the middle in terms of overall draft position. Uh, it just where he fell ended up being 49 closer to ADP. But yeah, you really hate James. No, yeah, I'm I'm all out on it, man. I'm I'm all out on it. He's he's basically like we used to do the skull and crossbones list. I don't really do that anymore because it's not as relevant. But if that still existed, uh, he would be on it for me. He'd be a guy that I'm like I'm not 
it's not something I'm interested in. Vance McDonald, I've got at tight end 10. He's ranked 9 going at 10. Again, in that range of guys that people are because Steelers tight end, but I'm not going to grab because I won't be thinking tight end when he's there. The- yep, because the expectations for him are very high. The hype train on him actually is pretty real. Uh, so, no, I don't think he'll be anybody that I'm probably going to own. I have him at uh, tight end 12, so I'm a little bit less optimistic than everybody else, but I'm right in that neighborhood of guys that I probably won't roster in too many leagues. Again, like I mentioned with the Browns, the Steelers are in the same boat where they're in an offensively challenged division outside of those teams. And then with the schedule that they end up playing outside of a handful of games, it's relatively light. So I do have them at defense seven, uh, mostly because for the first half of the season, I mean, again, when you're looking at this, I'm always thinking streaming defenses. And for the first half of the year, the Steelers have a really, really easy schedule to get through. So, uh, yeah, I've got them at defense seven. They're going at 16 right now. So. I'm higher than the public is on the Steelers. They're somebody you may be able to grab and uh, and stream for a few weeks. Yeah, I have them at 18 mostly because they're not something I'm looking to target uh, at this point. Uh, my general take, frankly, on this, Steve, has been that I'm kind of down on the Steelers. That's kind of the general yeah. thesis, and it applies to the defense. Yeah, I mean, you and me both. We're both down on most of the Steelers, except for the fact that both slightly higher than the public on Dante. Yeah, which is kind of weird because if you told if you told me in the past that that's how that would shake out i'd probably have called you crazy but given how that team is restructured that's really where i can see value for you so next week you and me will get to uh bang the drum here oh, this is also our, uh, a long show secondary Steve. teams the afc colts. south i've got my texans you've got the colts aiden's colts so uh yeah and then we'll finish out the preseason in two weeks with the nfc west and hopefully antonio brown can save hard knocks Hopefully, hopefully. I don't think it's savable at this point, but yeah, I don't know. We've only got two left, so he's going to have to do something pretty spectacular to uh, to make that happen. I don't know, but I will say week two preseason starts Thursday. Get your popcorn. We're actually going to yep. see some meaningful starters for more than one series for some of these teams. Some people aren't going to give you anything. Obviously, some teams aren't going to give you anything, but still we're making progress. We're moving forward. We're almost to that magical week. Oh, uh, the first witching hour of the season, Steve. We're almost there. Get ready for that, Scott. We're almost there. Uh, We're getting close. All right. Well, until next week, everybody, make sure you just keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.